0: Hello everybody, welcome to the world's greatest Bronze Age comic book podcast. To market fantasy, I'm your co-host Mike Allen, and as always been joined by...
1: Michael Dell of the LCS Hockey Radio Show.
0: Woo, and this week it is your pick, and I've never read this comic before, never really heard of the character, well yes I have, but you tell everybody what we're going to review.
1: Yeah, I was going to ask you that Mike L, because there's an interesting note about this character that I figured, oh Mike L is going to know him
0: then,
1: <laughs> because of a book that he appeared in, and we'll talk about that later. Oh, okay. But, uh, we will be reviewing Skull the Slayer, issue yes. one from 1975. Skull the Slayer.
0: And I honestly, before I read this, I had heard of Skull, but I thought this was a Robert E. Howard character. I had no idea this was an original Marvel, you know, creation.
1: Yeah, because it sounds very similar to Cull the Conqueror.
0: Ah! Uh... Skull the Slayer. Okay, Call the Conqueror
1: we... is a Conan kind of thing. That's why. Okay. But, but yeah. <laughs>
0: It's very Makes weird. Sense.
1: <laughs> so, yeah, this character was created by Marv Wolfman, <laughs> and uh, then Roy Thomas helped him out with it, and the artist here is Steve Gann, G-A-N. Right. And we'll t- talk about that th- that fellow later. But, uh, yeah, Marv Wolfman, he had an idea for this book. He had been working on for, like, four or five years or so. In fact, Michael, the, there's a little thing in the book. Did you read that little, there's, like, a full page right up no, about No, I didn't. No. Yeah, I figured you want it.
0: I don't read, uh, read comic books anyway. He,
1: uh, <laughs> he explains the creation process for Skull the Slayer. And he first had the idea when he was working at uh, DC. Ooh. But he referred okay. to them as Marvel's Diminishing Competition. Ooh. In code. So that's fired. You know? Okay. Yeah. So, uh, but he was an editor over there, and he pitched the idea Skull the Slayer, and they didn't want anything to do with it. So then he came back to Marvel, and uh, he had been working like as an editor for like a year or so. And then he uh, he talked to Roy Thomas, and he says, "Hey, I got this idea." His original idea for this book was to have a like a New York City office building mm-hmm. somehow being transported back to uh, dinosaurs and whatnot, okay.
0: prehistoric times.
1: Okay. Yeah, just like I don't know how, but like this building would just somehow show up in like a dinosaur-ridden jungle. Right, and, uh, right. Then the modern-day humans would have to figure out a way to survive. In prehistoric times, so that was the original idea idea for it. And Rory Thomas says, "Hey, well, you can't. I don't know. That might be a little tricky getting an office building back there, and uh, too many characters. You know, you need some more focus on that idea." Mm
0: -hmm.
1: So what they came up with is what we will be reading here today, and that's basically a fella named. uh, I think his his the character's name is Jim Scully, right? Yeah, yeah, James Scully, and this uh, his, his nickname is Skull.
0: Uh-huh,
1: uh-huh. And that makes no sense.
0: No, nope, doesn't.
1: Like, like, his last name is S-C-U-L-L-Y. If your last name is Scully, guess what? Your nick- nickname is Scully, because that's already, like, a nickname. Right. You know? No one's going to call you Skull, and they no. sure as so hell wanted to spell it with a K. No, definitely so, not. So uh, they needed to come up with a last name for him that was very long, but had mm-hmm. S-K-U-L-N in it somewhere.
0: Right.
1: And then you can say, oh, well, yeah, it's Skull. Like you know? Skullski sure or Yeah, Skulls- yeah, yeah something exactly. Like that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, not scully so right away this makes no fucking sense but uh the idea is the skull guy we'll get into his actual details of his background in the book because uh it spells it out for us but basically he and an airplane full of people well not full of but maybe about six or seven other people they go through the bermuda triangle and they go back in time Mm -hmm. theoretically back in time although it turns out that eh, that's not really true either Ooh, Uh,
0: twist okay but they know that
1: but they end up in some like uh, prehistoric time with uh, dra- uh dinosaurs and whatnot. Right. Yeah. Because here <laughs> yeah. here's the deal, Michael. In uh, issue 2, cuz I was deciding which issue to pick, I went with issue 1 just cuz it has a nice cover and I mm-hmm. uh, figured it explains the character's backstory. But in issue 2, they encounter like cavemen and whatnot, and then in like uh, and also an alien. Yeah, an alien. Okay. And uh, this Skull guy, he gets a uh, power belt off that alien called the Scorpion belt, and that gives him enhanced strength and endurance and everything. Mm. But in this issue, he's just a normal fellow. Uh, But then in, like, issue three, they're fighting, like, mechanical robot dinosaurs.
0: Really? So this is clearly not the past then, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, like there's advanced technology and stuff. So I'm like, oh, so I guess it's not really. Yeah. So they're all kind of weird things like that. And then uh, Marv Wolfman wrote the first three issues. Okay. And then the series only lasted eight issues. Hmm. Okay. And, and it was published bi monthly. So he wrote the first three. Then Steve Englehart came in in issue four and he uh, killed off the entire supporting cast. And <laughs> as Steve <laughs> Englehart is wont to do, he did some crazy shit. Uh, and,
0: okay. Yeah. This was on my list of things to read by Steve Englehart before I and, gave up on him. Yeah.
1: Yeah, then he like reworked it so they find out that it's actually some aliens doing shit and Mm. they're like planning some alien invasion of Earth and I I don't know what's going on. (laughs) So then he only lasted one issue and then Bill Mantlo came in for issues five, uh, six, seven, and eight and Bill Mantlo just threw away everything Steve Englehart did and he brought (laughs) the supporting cast back. (laughs) Uh, Okay. And then he kind of eliminated the sci-fi stuff and he focused more on just the adventure story Right And so that's probably why this only lasted eight issues Right Three distinct directions for a book in eight issues That's too bad Yeah, it's not good Uh, And the artist here is Steve Gann Did you ever hear of this fella?
0: Never, never, which I'm surprised Yeah, he was born in 1945 He's a
1: Chinese-born Filipino artist Okay His real first name was Santos But he changed it to Steve in honor of Steve Ditko
0: Ah, uh, okay. How about that? Interesting, yeah. He
1: got his first work at Marvel thanks to Filipino artist Tony DeZuniga.
0: Okay, Tony, heard of You him. know that
1: guy, right? Yeah, he, he did him. a bunch of DC stuff, did a right. bunch of Marvel stuff too. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's co-creator of Jonah Hex and Black Orchid for, okay, uh, for DC. Okay, interesting. There you go. Yeah, but this Tony DeZuniga, De he uh, was working in the U.S. and he kind of served as Steve Gunn's agent here in the U.S. So he got him gigs. And then, I guess back then, they would just send the stuff to him in the Philippines, and then he would mail the art back. Wow. So, yeah, that's crazy, huh?
0: Things must have got lost all the time back then,
1: eh? Yeah, you would think. Jeez. Uh, but this uh, Steve Gaughan, he's kind of famous for uh, co-creating Star-Lord with Steve Englehart.
0: Wow. Okay.
1: Yeah. Because he did the uh, Marvel Preview Issue four, first First Appearance of Star-Lord in 1976, so he actually got a credit and royalties when the Guardians of the Galaxy movie came out.
0: Wow, interesting. Very cool. Yeah,
1: because yeah, you he figured he get screwed over, but no, he actually. Mm-hmm. All the, that's funny. He does that one book like all those years ago. Thought probably thought nothing of it, right? You know? And then thirty years later, forty years, it's like oh, now I'm getting a lot of money from uh, wow. Star Lord. Nice. So that's nice. Uh, He also did uh, Dracula Lives, issues 12 and 13 in 1975, Savage Tales, 6 through 9, 11 and 12 in 1974 75. Did some Savage Sword of Conan. He did five of those from 74 and 79, including issue one. He did one issue of Deadly Hands of Kung Fu, issue 16 in 1975. And he had a uh, five, uh, or yeah, Conan the Barbarian, issues 58 to 63, 1976. That's basically all the major stuff he did in Marvel. But uh, yeah, Steve gone. I kind of like his art, though. When we get into it.
0: Oh yes, we'll talk about that. But it's very good.
1: I'll say this: when I'm flipping through the, the issues, there to pick which one I was going to go with, the art, the interiors in issue one are way stronger than the ones in issues two and three. Gotcha. That, okay. Yeah. But but this is really good work here. Mm-hmm. Um, all right. Anything else about Skull the Slayer? Oh yeah, I know what I wanted to say about Skull the Slayer. Uh, also, uh, our buddy uh, Steve Gahn did issues one through three and issue six. Sal Buscema did issues four, five, and eight. Mm -hmm. And Ron Wilson drew issue seven. Okay. So three writers, three artists, (laughs) and eight issues. Right. That's always a bad sign. All right, Michael, there's one other thing I wanted to mention about this fella. Uh, After the series got canceled, the story was tied up in Marvel 2 and one issues 35 and 36. Okay. I think those, I think those are the issues, and those were also written by Marvel Wolfman. And I think that was kind of what Marvel Two and One was doing back in those days. Whenever one of these books died, they said, "I oh, will tie it up in Marvel Two and One."
0: Sure, we'll absolutely, know. yep. Or Marvel. So the way up.
1: they the way they figured it up was uh, figured it out was uh, Reed Richards and oh uh, shoot, one of the other Fantastic Four kids. I can't remember which one it was, but but they find out a way to uh, get them out of the Bermuda Triangle. Mm, That's all okay. All right. So years later. Then uh, Skull joins Doctor Druid's Shock Troop. Are
0: okay. you aware? Of, are you aware of
1: Doctor Druid's Shock? I troop? have
0: never heard of this. What the hell? Well, is Well, I it? think you have. I think you have. In a
1: minute. What? Uh, I don't know. There's like three or four dudes in it. And they they investigated paranormal stuff or something. You remember Doctor Druid there, right? Of the course. Guy from the Avengers. Yeah, yeah. Yep. He looked like Fraser Crane if he was an Avenger. Sure. Doctor okay. Druid. Yeah. Okay. But he uh, he is part of the Shock Troop. But at this point, because of that power belt that he got from the alien back in the day, mm. it started like transforming his body. So he became almost like translucent, and he had a green skeleton. This skull, the Slayer guy, and uh, he he went under the name of the uh, the flaming skull, I think. Re- and, what really and the the blazing skull? The blazing, blazing skull. skull. I
0: thought blazing skull was a Golden Age character.
1: He was. And then they took that name for this, too. Oh, but, uh, I don't like yeah.
0: that. Okay. Big <laughs> mess. Big mess.
1: But Blazing Skull, Michael, he had an adventure with Quasar.
0: Oh. What? I must have read this, then.
1: Yeah, that's what I mean. You had to have encountered him because of your what, Quasar what, what issue
0: was this in? Don't know. Okay.
1: It didn't say on Wikipedia or wherever I read this. Okay, but, interesting.
0: Uh, I'll have to do some research.
1: Yeah, Quasar Shock Troop. Or Quasar Blazing Skull of Con- So yeah, you know about Skull the Slayer. You just didn't realize it. And uh, also, we mentioned Call the Conqueror. There was confusion about the names. So uh, they were going to do- call it something else. And then before Skull the Slayer went to press, Call got canceled. So okay. they're like, so they're like, oh, the name's available now. We can uh, use it. So they're like, all right, we'll use Skull then. So they print Skull the Slayer. And then like a month or two later, they brought Call back. okay. (laughs) In like a different (laughs) book or something. (laughs) So they're like, what the fuck? But uh, anyway, so there's the confusion. But all right, anything else about Skull the Slayer, Michael?
0: Only that based on my three seconds of research, I think that Quasar story happened in Quasar number 50 around there.
1: Did you cover that in the podcast?
0: No, no, because Quasar chronology was canceled due to low ratings. (laughs) Okay? So we only... we we didn't actually get to Quasar number 1. We did all of his pre number 1 appearances. So, yeah. Wait a minute. I yeah. thought
1: you guys covered every Quasar appearance including it the story. So you
0: <laughs> No. We 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 only did like we basically did like 16 episodes, but it covered all of his pre 1989 appearances, you know, like you know, Marvel Team Up, Avengers, all that stuff, Contest of Champions. We didn't actually get to the Quasar series itself. What a perfect tribute to Quasar.
1: <laughs> yes, yeah, that's, that's true. True, correct. Because <laughs> he always got canceled for little readership as well. Yeah, that's so true. How about Who that? Can't argue with that. <laughs> All anyway. right, Waiko. <clears throat> well, let's look at issue one of Skull the Slayer. Let's look at this cover.
0: All right, we got a beautiful Marvel Comics group ribbon across the top here. We got a nice logo, Skull the Slayer. It looks very, you know, barbarian esque, you could say. Kind of, right? Well, it looks like it's made out of wood or something.
1: Hey, oh, by the way, girl, I just Googled up the uh, Blazing Skull from Quasar. Yeah, he's like a black shadow figure with a green, glowing green skeleton yeah. in his body. I saw him
0: on the cover of Quasar like 48, 9, and 50, I think. Yeah, so that's weird. we so, All right, anyway. So yeah, getting and, back to this cover. And then we've got a little corner box of skull, and it looks almost like Godzilla behind him, but it's actually a Tyrannosaurus Rex, right?
1: Yeah, who do you think drew that?
0: Uh ooh, if I had to guess you know who?
1: No. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I was just wondering. I mean. Because it looks
1: weird. It looks like distinctive, but
0: I don't know. Do you think it, Steve Gahn did it's it? It's probably mm-hmm. just Steve Gahn, I assume. But he didn't do this cover, did he? Isn't this Gil Kane? That's right. This cover is Gil Kane and Al Milgram with the wow. Yanks.
1: And Mike Gale, if you look over to the left where it says uh, Fear Fraught First Issue, if you look below that, yes. you can see some like street signs. Mm-hmm. And the one on the left you can see says Kane and, and then AM Inc., Right. So that's Kane and Al Milgram.
0: Cool, yeah. I like it.
1: Now on the right side of the street, there's like, it looks like McDonald or something, and then that little green ball on the post has some wording in it. But Yeah, I MB
0: or is. something like that, yeah. yeah. And then Wait, we have anyway. a little caption here. Now it begins, as a fugitive from the concrete jungle is thrust into a world of prehistoric, prehistoric fury, death at the dawn of time. And basically it's a split cover, where on the left it's like New York City or, or a city, and on the right, it's a big dinosaur, and like there's a black bar in the middle, and then there's a tree branch kind of like bridging the two, and skull is like running across it. And he's got, yeah, like, and he, he's pants bare-chested, and, a, right, and no he's shirt. got
1: like a machete at his hip, and he's carrying a spear.
0: Right, very good cover. I like it. It's good.
1: Yeah, it's a very good cover. It's Gil Kane. It's awesome. Yep. And uh, and, and that that white banner with that now it begins that that also spans both sides right. as well. So.
0: Yeah, I like you know, it.
1: balanced. But yeah, very strong cover. And how, how about that font, uh, Skull of the Slayer? It's kind of interesting as well.
0: Yeah. Well, yeah, I was saying earlier, it looks like it's made out of wood or something. Yeah. I think you were Googling something then.
1: Yeah, I was Googling Skull of the Slayer. <laughs> so.
0: Anyway. So then we crack this sucker open. Oh, look at this art. Oh, my God. Anyway, the coming of yeah. Skull of the Slayer. Actually, this logo is better. This is more of like, it's like, I-, I can't describe it, but it just looks like it's... I don't know. It's made out of something, but it's just like a cool texture to it. The coming of Sk- Skull the Slayer, and again we have another bridge cover. But it's on the left is a city, and on the right is like a Tyrannosaurus and a Brachiosaurus and a Pteranodon or something. And uh, he's got three people behind him: a blonde girl, a dude, and another dude. <laughs> it's really and good. I, I
1: have no. I still have no idea who that fourth or the third dude is of the four. Yeah,
0: I'm not sure either.
1: Like, even when we get through the book, like, we see the guy, but there's no explanation yeah. for who he is or what he's doing. Right. There. Um, yeah, again, this is just a rehash of the cover, but it's really well done. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, this is a great piece of art here.
0: Yes, Steve very done. good. So. so, yeah. So, basically, now we should point out that the book is very heavily... I guess, narrated, right? There's a lot of... Um, yeah, this thrones. was kind of the
1: style back then in the right. early 70s to mid-70s. And uh, yeah, Marv Wolfman really leans into it here. Yes. And it's kind of like he's... Uh, I guess we should say, I think around the same time this book came out, there's a, a film called, uh, like one of them Land of the Lost movies, Beyond the or The Land of Time for God or something. Some okay. kind of movie okay. like that came out the same year. So sure. people kind of thought Marvel was ripping that off with this, but actually Wolfman has been working on this idea for many years. Hmm. But uh, yeah, he kind of leans into the narration and he talks very 70s street lingo hip. Right, right. And He refers to the reader as baby several times.
0: Yeah, some of it works, some of it doesn't, you know?
1: Yeah, I would say uh, maybe 70 doesn't. 70% yeah, 70% doesn't. does not work, <laughs> right. right? yeah
0: uh yeah so anyway uh so we start off with um so yeah there's a lot of explanation here um <laughs> basically uh, okay so we've got the transporting a prisoner and the um, prisoner
1: is skull the slayer
0: yeah wait wait who's so who's the dark-skinned guy oh that's he's... a doctor He's a, a doctor, do- right? 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 Okay. Okay. You read, read this, this, right, Michael? I read this today, but I already for- actually <laughs> half of it today, half of it yesterday. So I already forgot the first half. I forgot who was who. But um, yeah, he's the he's the prisoner of the transporting, and uh, he's making the other people feel nervous because they know that he's a uh, a killer, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Everyone thinks Skull the Slayer is a murderer, and there's two army guys. This is an army plane. Right. And there's there's two like soldiers, armed guards, guarding Skull, but Skull's not handcuffed or anything, which I thought was weird. Right. You just think her And then that doctor, he's there with his assistant Anna, right? And, and he's a physicist, and they're doing some project with the government. And then there's another guy, who he's dressed distinctly here in the plane, and then later in the second half of the issue, he, I think there's a mix-up at the plant, sure. and they started coloring him as. How the way Scully is dressed uh, on the plane. Okay. Because Scully is dressed in like a black shirt, tight shirt, and pants. Mm-hmm. And this guy's wearing like a, uh, almost like a little jacket and stuff. And for some reason, he starts dressing like Scully in the second <laughs> half of the book. Right, right. And there's no way they could have changed clothes. So, but anyway, those are all the people on the plane. But the Right.
0: And they're be. talking about how Scully is a killer, he's a trained killer. And the government trains them as killers, only they forget to turn them off when the war is over. So this guy is a Vietnam veteran. Yes. And so they're they're hanging out on this plane and Scully is joking around with the soldiers that are guarding him. Right? And they're like, Shove it, Scully, I just love an excuse to knock in that grinning face of yours, right? So they're not enjoying his banter. Yeah. And uh, and then he's like he keeps melting off to them, so one of them pulls a gun on him, right? Yeah. And then um he, then he just flashes back to Vietnam. And I, I love this narration. Nam, Vietnam, five lousy years out of a man's life. And then it just keeps going, right? All this narration. And we see uh, him like parachuting over like a kind of war zone. Yeah, he was
1: supposed to bomb... Uh... Basically, women and children.
0: Yes. They, it, yeah, they actually get really, right into it. They, they, they're they, like, um, he was sent out on a defoliation job. That's new speak for murdering women and kids. So this yeah. is very, um, well, I guess realistic. But very, he gets uh, shot
1: down. Like, yeah. his plane gets shot down, so he has to yes. parachute out. And he gets kidnapped. Or not kidnapped, but taken cap- like prisoner yeah, by the Viet Cong. And uh, they start torturing him. But, I mean, at this point, I'm, like, rooting for the Viet Cong, right? Right, right. <laughs> he was, right. He was burning children in wind. Yeah. Right. Just, yeah. So that's a little weird. But all right. Yeah.
0: So they like, inside pig with the rest of you butchers. We'll begin interrogation later. So then, um, sure enough, he gets in. They like starve him for a couple of days and it's like boiling hot. It's like 200 degrees. And they start whipping him and interrogating him. But he doesn't know anything, so he can't tell them anything. And then eventually there's a, um, prisoner swap and he gets to go back home and then it says here got an award for not saying what he didn't know he accepted it what the <laughs> hell and we see we see whoever the guy is like awarding him it's like i'm awfully proud of you man proud of all you who have kept america great you know um and then, then he, he goes hey oh, well, yeah, i was just gonna say he shows up back home and what happens he go, yeah he goes back home to see his wife whoops a daisy walks in and his wife's with another man
1: <laughs> yeah she's moved on yeah fuck you scully
0: and yeah and the going. guy and the dude's like get out of here hero pam's mine now and she doesn't want you hanging around so yeah, then he what? just takes he just leaves gets on a bus and then this is such a weird little thing took it to a town somewhere in nebraska which his sergeant couldn't pronounce without giggling that's a weird yeah, I'm, not,
1: bring, I'm not familiar with my nebraskan town so i'm not sure what town that would be yeah but uh yeah because he uses that description of it a couple times twice yeah at least yeah. twice
0: yep and then it's like, went to his home, to his parents. Keep the faith, baby. It can't all be a washout. <laughs> <laughs> I want
1: to I up it to 85%. Yeah, yeah.
0: Yeah, right, yeah. So then he goes to his parents' house, opens the door, and his brother is sitting on the floor, like leaning against the couch, and um, he's apparently high. He's like, yeah. he's like, who gives a scream and spit, big brother? Who cares about you, about anything? Just flying, flying. He means like getting high, right? He's like, yeah. where's mom? Dad, dead hero man, dead worrying about you. Dead because you got yourself POW'd. And then he's like, I took off, man, a two year high, and I'm still flying. <laughs> That's my favorite line of the book. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and then he does what any brother would do. He pulls a knife on him. Yes, he pulls a knife and he wants to
1: kill his brother.
0: And then I, I love this narration, brother was too high to stop, idiot kid, the fad passed and he didn't even know about it. Nobody got high anymore, not on that stuff. Yeah, because we all, as we all know, drug use ceased in 1975, right? So No one
1: gets high anymore. Right. What
0: the hell? So then he pulls a gun and then Scully kind of, or not, not a gun, night. a knife, yeah, yeah. a knife, yeah. He yeah. tries to stab him with a knife, but then Scully is like, kid lunged with his knife so hero moved like a train, like trained soldier. And the the guy basically accidentally stabs himself.
1: Yeah, Scully karate chops him on the neck. Right. And uh, his brother falls to the ground and somehow manages to stab himself in the heart.
0: Which seems really weird, but whatever. We'll just go with it. (laughs) So then... And then there's a lot of like... this, this. The plot's moving very quickly and a lot of it's covered in narration. But basically in the very next panel, it says Scully ran, hid two months in Oklahoma, hired himself out in Georgia... They found him playing lifeguard in Bermuda. So now he's already captured. Like, one panel later, he's been found. Yeah. or And it's basically an American soldier. They're like, end of the line, Scully, you're heading back to the States. So he's there's threatening him with prison. And that's where we, you know, yeah, get back Yeah, we resume
1: to, the story. Yeah.
0: yeah, so now we're back on the plane with him from the opening scene. And so then, all of a sudden, something... You know, we see the pilots, you know, something's going crazy. There's, you know... uh, you know, the controls, they're stuck, something's happened, they've gone crazy. And then in the the passenger, the back back of the plane, they're like, what's going on? We're going to crash. And then we see the plane kind of going through like a, I guess it's kind of like a time warp, like like spinning lines around the plane. And then the pilots are like, can't take the pain. Oh God, the pain, it's tearing me apart. It's almost like little electrical bolts, like zapping them. And then we see from the point of view of the ground, the plane is flying over what looks to be an ancient, you know, prehistoric scene of dinosaurs hanging out in like a swamp. Right? Yeah, like so, the
1: Savage Land.
0: Yeah, like the Savage Land. It's a really cool shot. I like it. Um, And then, as they're going down, Scully's being a smartass. I don't know what army, what you army clowns are up to, but it isn't going to include me. I want home, baby, on a warm beach or in a blasted cell, but I want home. So he starts punching out the guards that are guarding him <laughs> and then all of a sudden uh the plane actually breaks apart in two and this is a great shot we see scully in the foreground holding like a, like a like a part of the plane to kind of like plant himself and in the background we see the back of the plane that's broken off and we see like the guards kind of like one of them is like almost flying away holding onto the edge of the inside of the plane and everyone else is kind of like you know trying to like Stay safe or whatever. But it's great. It's a great shot. I love it.
1: Uh, I want to talk about this later, I guess. But, sure. Because um, this is an interesting decision they made here. But okay. So we'll okay. come back to it.
0: So then, yeah. So then the, the plane is split up and then Scully crashes on the ground and he's like unconscious for a while. And I love it. I love this too. Out of it for 16 hours. Hey, man. Got good and bad news for you. Bad first. <laughs> you missed the Tonight Show with special guest host Joey Bishop. Good news, you're gonna keep missing it. Wow, okay. real
1: shot at Joey Bishop.
0: Yeah, I know. Right? Man, right. so then he's like, kind of figuring out what's going on. He's like looking around, and then uh, he he basically accepts. Now it's like day one. He's accepted. You know, okay. Well, I got to find something to eat. So he finds some fruit, and uh, he realizes he's alone. So he starts talking to himself, and he starts laughing. Yeah, he starts going a little nuts. Right, yeah. exactly, yeah. right. And then we cut over to the rest of the people that are on the plane. Well, most of them. It's Yeah, a I blonde- guess all the
1: military guys died. But right. the physicist guy, his assistant lady, and that other mysterious The other guy dude,
0: right. Who is now
1: dressed like Scully.
0: Right, with a black shirt on, you're right. But
1: um, apparently this guy is the son of a senator. Okay. From what I read on like other sources but you never will understand that just by reading this
0: book okay, okay. they never
1: say who he is right <laughs> why he's here
0: uh well yeah um so then they're like then the girl's like um where are we doctor uh or where are we dr Corey? where and he's like i don't know not really but those creatures we saw from the plane they were dinosaurs now you might say i finally got totally mad at but i think we've been thrown back in time and explains the whole thing about the, the Bermuda Triangle and how they went through, like, a thing, and now they're back in time. And then the girl's all, like, distraught. The other guy doesn't say much, though. He doesn't talk at all.
1: He just sits yeah, they don't, they don't think he can even talk at this point, these two, because mm. they've never heard him say anything. Oh, ah, okay. Because they're, like, surprised when he does talk later. Mm.
0: And then we cut back over to Skull. Um, and he's got, got no shirt on, and he's got, like, a spear. And we see he's hunting, like, horses. Yeah, these are horses, right? Yeah, yeah, like
1: wild prehistoric horses.
0: Right. And then and then I love this too. Like, He's like talking to himself and he's like, there's no one else alive here. And if I figured everything correctly, there won't be any human life for two, specifically 222 million years. He knows exactly <laughs> how long. And if then, he
1: figured it correctly. Yeah. He could
0: be off. <laughs> right, he could be off by a couple million. And then at the bottom, this little caption, time enough to have seen over 4 billion reruns of I Love Lucy, kid. Uh, sometimes Marvel open tries too hard, but anyway,
1: this whole, this whole issue is trying too hard. Yeah. The narration.
0: Yeah. So basically, so yeah, he downs like a horse, one of these wild horses. We see like the blood coming out of the horse's mouth. So it's dead. And, um, and then all of a sudden he hears like a growl behind him. He's like, noise. What? Mother of mercy. I don't believe it. And it's a Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. Right.
1: A giant Tyrannosaurus Rex. Yes. Versus the Skull Wizard. the Slayer. Right, right. A and A normal those, human. Right.
0: And for younger <laughs> readers, this will be an outdated depiction of the Tyrannosaurus. He's kind of walking upright and his arms are a little bigger. Actually, you know what? I should point out his arms are incorrect because I think a Tyrannosaurus only has two digits, but this has three. But anyway, that's... Oh, look at neither- my gilb dinosaur expert. Yep, neither here nor there. Uh-huh. So anyway... So the Tyrannosaurus starts chasing after him. I'll and be so honest, Michael.
1: All I know about dinosaurs I learned from the Dinobots. Really? Yeah.
0: I so. used to be a big dinosaur aficionado when I was a kid. Huge. Yeah. Well, you know, yeah.
1: dinosaurs apparently had feathers, Michael.
0: Yes. I, I, actually, I actually said that in my grade five speech that there's a theory <laughs> that dinosaurs evolved into birds. And then my friends in high school laughed at me for years. And then Jurassic <laughs> Park came out and justified my theory and confirmed it. I just and remember now, what... Walt yep, Simonson
1: true. I think it was said he drew dinosaurs with feathers because that, and they said no you can't do that and he's like but that's correct and then like, yeah but no one knows that so you can't do it so they Wow. It.
0: <laughs> interesting, interesting. Huh.
1: I think it was Walt when I read that.
0: Probably. Anyway. Yeah, he loves dinosaurs. Yeah. So anyway, so he's like goading the Tyrannosaurus Rex to come closer to him and he throws the spear and we don't know what happens because we cut away to the other group of people and they're walking along and they come to, like, a waterfall with, like, a rainbow. Yeah,
1: look at that, a rainbow.
0: Yep. That. They're trying to figure out what's going on. And, uh, oh, and then all of a sudden, the young guy with the black shirt is, like, um, so, oh, yeah, sorry, first the doctor says, "Uh, which means we didn't accomplish one sticking thing. And then the, the kid says, if that's so, whose bones are these? Oh, so that's what he's talking about. Sorry, what is, he, what is the setup for that? Uh oh. it's something about so no, re- humans. There's no reports of humans during this time, right. And then the kid says, Well then who's whose bones are these? And we see like kinda like a human head and like um rib cage, like on the ground, like yeah. skull, just a skeleton. And then the doctor's like, Huh. So the boy can speak. I was beginning to wonder, but he is right, these are human bones. And then we see like in the foreground what look like Neanderthals or something are watching our, our yeah. heroes here, right?
1: couple cavemen with, like, yeah, stone cavemen. axes.
0: Yep, and then we cut back over to Skull, and he's still fighting the Tyrannosaurus, and he's, like, running away, and then he's... What is that he's holding? Is that a rock?
1: Yeah, he climbed up a tree, and he's carrying a rock, and then he jumped... Because he put that spear right in the roof right. of the Tyrannosaurus's mouth.
0: Right.
1: <clears throat> so it's the spear sticking out of the dinosaur's mouth, and then he jumps off the tree onto the uh, dinosaur's head there with a the big right. rock.
0: Yes. And hits it over the head repeatedly, and the 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 tyrannosaurus is bleeding, but it's not dead yet. And so he's like still talking to himself. He's like one more try. So then he jumps up, and he holds on. He grabs onto the spear. And yeah, then it's still he sticking
1: like, out of the mouth. So he grabs yeah. onto that.
0: And then he swings around, and it kind of like breaks it off. And then he like stabs it into the tyrannosaurus's head, like on top. Into his eye. Oh, into his eye. Okay. Yeah. And then the next page... He's still cracking
1: so- jokes, though, Michael. Okay, you asked for it, honey. I'm through with blind dates from this point on. Yeah. He's still cracking wise.
0: Yeah. Yep. And then, the ba- basically, he kind of like... Like, the Tyrannosaurus is running, and it kind of trips over, like, the root of a tree and falls off a ledge. Like, a huge ledge. Of like, a, like, a cliff. A cliff, and I- yeah. Yeah. And as it's falling, uh, Skull jumps off. And yeah. then uh, as, as he's falling, he jumps he um, grabs onto the edge of a like tree branch that's growing out of the cliff. and then he's like feels like he's victorious. So he's like pumping his hands in the air, like laughing, cackling. But then all of a sudden, fuck, a rock comes out of nowhere and hits him in the back of the head. and he's knocked unconscious and then we see the silhouette of two cavemen kind of standing over him. And then it's, yeah,
1: they're in the foreground. Would you see their legs in a, in a stone axe, and then he's in the back there, in the, yeah, uh, in the background, KO'd on the grass. It's a good shot,
0: right? And then it's funny because then the narration like it keeps going. It's like um, uh, the like the two bend, lift Jim Scully awkwardly into the air, and take him to their camp. It is late and time for dinner. And then that's the end. It says next death for a dinosaur slayer. Don't dare miss it. And that's it. Yeah,
1: so I guess he's he's Skull the Dinosaur Slayer, kind of. Right. Wasn't there a, a Valiant book like that? I was
0: just going to say this whole concept reminds me of Turok Dinosaur Turok. Hunter. Dinosaur which Hunter. technically, let me just Google it here. Turok. Well, that was an
1: old school golden key thing, wasn't it? Or... Yeah,
0: yeah, uh, gold key, yeah. So, yeah. let's see here. Turok. Uh, Turok Dinosaur Hunter comic book started in. 1954 holy crap okay yeah yeah okay uh
1: this also reminded me vaguely of that uh warlord book from dc like i just i just know the basic concept of it but that was like a modern man who crashed into a like uh not necessarily prehistoric right were there dinosaurs or was just i think
0: there was i never yeah i don't remember it but yeah basically the same idea yeah dinosaurs and whatever Yeah. yeah
1: but that came out after this.
0: Yeah, definitely. That was yeah. late seventies, I think. Yeah, yeah. So there it is, Skull the Slayer, issue one.
1: Well, uh, yeah, the narration by Wolfman's just loopy. It's, yep. uh, it's
0: annoying.
1: It, uh, yeah, it's it's kind of funny that it's it's so bad. It's charming and fun,
0: I guess you could say. But uh, it's it's very entertaining. Here's the thing: if you just ignore, like, the narration on its own is entertaining on like a B movie level. But if yes. you ignore that and just look at the art it's a it's a decent story like it's it's a good story to follow i think the yeah, plot's the steve, okay
1: the steve gann art here is really strong yes um, a lot of great stuff but uh what i want to mention earlier about that one decision they have so the plane breaks up mm-hmm. and you have uh, skull go on the one half of the plane and everyone else on the other half and they get separated mm-hmm. and then he's off on his own having these adventures killing that t rex do, do you think that was a good decision
0: not necessarily.
1: Like, wh- why not just keep them all together? Yeah. Cuz then you have the inter- you have the conflict between Skull and the others. They think he's a murderer and then mm-hmm. he could save them from the T-Rex. And then it's like a- it-, it just seems like you have way more potential for character development and if you put them together right away. Right. Cuz now I guess they will that will happen in issue 2 now. So it's just like I don't know, you're just like delaying the inevitable. So I I'm not a fan of
0: that. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, it just seems like arbitrary, like pointless.
1: Yeah. And again, that the mix-up with that guy, that kid or whatever. Because if you go back to the beginning of the book, on the plane, he doesn't look like a kid. He looks like an older True. guy. True, yeah. And, and suddenly he's a kid and he's dressing different. Like, what the fuck happened? So, uh, yeah,
0: a little inconsistent, a little sloppy,
1: yeah. What do you think about the concept, though, of Skull the Slope? I think it's
0: actually a great concept, you know? The fact that it's all, it's also been done You know, three or four other times I mean, doesn't dilute it. It's a good idea, I think.
1: His, uh, uh the, what about the character background? That's pretty, uh, here, pretty fucked I th- up.
0: I think this is what I was thinking when I was reading the book. They should have cut all that out. Like, it's fine on its own, but it should have just been a guy is on a plane and it crashes. Why add all, like, you could say that he's a Vietnam vet so you can explain a little bit how he's able to survive in the wilderness, but what is the point of all that backstory of his brother and his parents and the, yeah. You know, <laughs>
1: Let's just recap real quick. He was a Vietnam uh, prisoner of war for five years. He gets out. He comes home. His wife is with another man. His parents are dead, and his brother is a junkie who kills himself in front of him by attempting to kill him. That's his backstory. That is fucked up. Right, (laughs) right.
0: It's also just unnecessarily complicated, Mm. right? Yes,
1: yeah. I I, kind of like the idea of him being a prisoner, and, uh, like, you think he's a murderer, and then the plane Mm -hmm. crashes – skip all that backstory don't tell us that backstory yet make it a mystery 100%. right? Uh, who is this guy why was he a prisoner is he mm-hmm. ga- guilty is he innocent we don't know keep that going the whole time and uh, so that would change how the characters look at him and how even the reader looks at him mm-hmm. so yeah that's the way I would have done that but um, I kind of like the the basic idea I guess but like Skull the guy he's not very like cool or anything like you know <laughs>
0: The way yeah. he's talking and everything. <laughs> right, right. So
1: he's kind of just like a doofus, but you know, whatever. Mar Marv Wolfman didn't do him any favors with the uh, the dialogue and the corny jokes. No,
0: it's like you could actually strip out the dialogue and replace it all and it'd be much better. <laughs> yes. Like it would but the art itself is good, like the plotting is good. Decent at least. It's just the dialogue and narration that ruins it. Yeah.
1: Um, are you, or Would you be intrigued to read any more Skull the Slayer?
0: Well, the fact that I know there's only eight issues, I would definitely be intrigued enough to possibly read it, yeah. And, I mean, I do love this artist, but I also like Sal Buscema. I like Bill Mantlo. I kind of like Steve Englehart, so I'd, I'd be tempted to read more for sure.
1: <laughs> you used to heart Steve Englehart.
0: Yeah, I used to, but uh, not so much anymore, but yeah. Oh, I also want to point out Warlord from DC premiered November 1975. So the same year as this.
1: <laughs> yeah. What what month was this?
0: Uh this was like earlier. This was like uh what it, what month is August? So definitely a few months earlier. Probably just a coincidence. But <laughs> yes, uh,
1: sure, it's just a coincidence.
0: Another coincidence. Yeah. Well, uh, it is funny though. But yeah. So there you go. So there
1: you go. Skull the slurry. One out of ten, Michael.
0: Uh, it's a tough one because the art is so good. uh the dialogue's horrible. The narration's <laughs> horrible. But I'll give it. A, I'll give it a six for entertainment. It's you know it's solid.
1: Yeah, five or six. I'll go six as well. Just uh, for Steve Gann. he did good work here. So uh, definitely, like
0: uh, this is definitely an artist. I'm surprised I haven't really heard of. You know, definitely. Yeah, one.
1: like I said, he he didn't do all that much between like seventy six and seventy seventy five and seventy nine was really what he did work right. here at Marvel. I don't I don't know if he did anything at DC, but um, I don't think so.
0: Right. What right. I but
1: uh, alright there it is Skull the Slayer now everyone can say they've heard of that book because no one else yep. on the planet had ever heard of Skull the Slayer
0: right. right especially considering I thought it was Call the Conqueror but anyway <laughs> yeah. alright Miguel. next so, speaking of characters no one's ever heard of next week we are going to be covering another Larry Hammer book from Marvel in the form of the Ant-Man the Remember? Ant-Man Ant-Man uh, the Ultimate Ninja I have heard of this. Okay. I we're never go read it. Well, yeah. What issue? Number three. Just to just to spice it up, we're gonna go for yeah. number three. And as you know, whenever we do a Larry Hama book, we gotta have a special guest, and the special guest is none other, none other than Kevin Jank.
1: <laughs> I was gonna say we only, have, we only ever have two guests, so yeah. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> uh, was Jank excited to do a Larry Hama book? And, Not and at all.
0: He agreed to do the ep- episode, and then he was going to turn it down when he heard it was Entman, but he agreed to do it anyway. <laughs> what a guy that Kevin J. Uh, but
1: Entman, what year are
0: we talking here? This is like, let me see here. I got the link. Um, Mid '80s. Did... Oh yeah, this is uh. Eighty-seven. Eighty-seven, or let me see. Oh, I can't click. Eighty-nine. Eighty-nine. Wow. Eighty-nine.
1: Wow. Later yep. than I thought.
0: All right. Mm-hmm.
1: So there it is, Anth Man. And he's a ninja? That's what he's he is? the ultimate ninja, yes. Uh, so is this because Larry Hammer liked doing Snake Eyes and Storm Shadow and G.I. Joe? And he's like, huh, oh, I
0: want to do an Anth Man. Buddy. Yeah, why not? Do another one, yeah. And I've got the original issues here, so this is gonna be fun for me. And I've never like read he, them.
1: So. when I hear Anth Man, I, like I said I'm aware of it, but I can't picture him at all. Does he dress like a ninja, all black outfit or no,
0: anything? he has like green army pants, um, like a little huh. little rat tail, and like a bear shirt. I'm not a rat tail, but he has like a mullet kind of. You'll see. All right. There you go. So that's something. There you go. Enthman. next week. Be sure to join us next week and every week to tune into our reviews of Bronze Age comic books. One week I pick. One week Mike Dell picks. Every episode is available at www.comicbooksyndicate.com. Uh, and yeah, so there you go. You can tune in every week. And until next week, uh, disperse.